welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Good morning. My name is Stacy Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at KUMC. If I haven't met you, please introduce yourself to me afterwards. I would love to get to know you better. Oh, and children, leave. <laughs> Go with Miss Whitney. <laughs> so the past few Sundays, we have been in a sermon series about callings, and we have looked at the numerous ways that God calls us, has called different people, how they have responded in a variety of ways, and how that's worked out. Um, and today we're going to look at a, a calling, a call story of two people who prior to their calling had no contact with one another and were actually enemies, and that's Saul and Ananias. And I think it's important to look at both of them together. We're going to look at them individually and how they received their callings, but then we're going to also look at how they came together and what that means for us as a community as well. When God calls us, there's going to be a change. So there was a change for Saul, and there was a change for Ananias as well. Saul went from a persecutor to a proclaimer. And Ananias, who was already a believer, was called deeper into his faith and into his response. This particular story in the book of Acts occurs three times. Anytime something is repeated in Scripture, it's important. Um, so this must be really important because it's repeated three different times in the book of Acts by Luke. So let's read our scripture. If you'll open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might make them, take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered in it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, 
who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. So we're going to look at two different stories today. We're going to look at Saul's calling, and we're going to look at Ananias. And both of them have some things in common. And the three things that we're going to talk through today, they're both prompt in their response. They both are very exact in their response, and, and the instructions that they're given are very exact. And they're both faithful in their response. And then we're going to see how God uses those things to bring them together. So we, we know Saul has been persecuting the people of the way. He stood by when Stephen was martyred. His reputation is well known. He's blind to Jesus. He's a faithful believer in God. He truly believes he is doing what God has called him to do, but he is blind to who Jesus is. And he's going to learn, obviously, a big spiritual lesson through this, and through that, his eyes are going to be opened. But up to this point, he is mired deep in his sin, his life, his reputation, his who he was, everything was built on who he was and, and how he persecuted Jesus' followers. This is who he was to the core. He thought he was serving God and he was all in. He just could not see who Jesus was. And it took a lightning bolt. That's kind of how I, when I picture this story, that's what I think about as a lightning bolt. It took a lightning bolt to get his attention and get him rerouted onto a new path. And God uses lightning bolt moments. There are times in our lives when we need a good lightning bolt. We need God to shake us out of our addiction or out of our sin, to get our attention in a way that no one else could, that even our circumstances could. You'll hear an addict say that they hit rock bottom. You can hit rock bottom and not find Jesus there. Sometimes it takes that lightning bolt, it takes that encounter with Jesus on the road before we see him, before we recognize him, and before we take off our blinders and are able to see him for who he is. Sometimes we've convinced ourselves that the things that we're doing are working, and we don't want to leave it behind because it feels so familiar and so comfortable. And those are the moments when we need those lightning bolt moments. But Saul recognized God's voice. He questioned it at first, but he recognized it. And then he listened, and then he obeyed. In Hebrew, the word for listen means to listen and obey. There is no separation of those two words. If you have heard the word of God, it means you're obeying the word of God. Those two words are not distinguishable in the Hebrew language. And that's what Saul did. He listened and he obeyed. He went to Damascus. He, he could have turned around and gone back home, but he didn't. He went on and he obeyed and went straight to Damascus. And he started praying. And I kind of have this vision of him getting to wherever his destination was and him just hitting his knees. He's blind. He had to be led by the hand. Right now, his whole identity, everything he is about, has been completely stripped away from him. On the other hand, we have Ananias, who is a faithful, obedient disciple of Jesus. 
He knows who Jesus is. He's a follower of the way. And God appeared to him in a vision. He spoke softly to him. Ananias was ready and he was willing to hear God's voice. He wasn't real comfortable with what was coming. You can tell that. I like to. I really struggled with to find the right word for for, how, for Ananias's response, and I decided to use that he sought clarity. Um, he didn't. He didn't question. I don't think. But he was like, oh, God, let's be sure we're talking about the same Saul here. Talking about the one who came here to, you know, arrest us and kill us. Are, are, are we on the same page? Yes, I am. Okay. He heard that and he went on. Um, <laughs> so he, he recognized that. It wasn't comfortable, but he, he didn't stop. He recognized God's voice immediately and was obedient. John 10, 27 says, and this is Jesus speaking, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. Saul's response was a question. Ananias' response was, yes, Lord. So although they're coming from two very different places, they're two very different faithful people in different ways, they do have some commonalities in their response. Like I said, they're both prompt in their response. Saul went straight to Damascus. It says he didn't eat for three days and drink. We don't know if he was fasting, if he was sick. We don't know. So I hate to put that word on it, but we do know he was praying. Like I said, I kind of picture him just getting to wherever he needed to be and just hitting the ground praying. Ananias went directly to Saul. He was prompt. He didn't question it. He went to him. He followed the the instructions that he had. They were both exact. Saul was told what it was revealed to him in that message on, on the road to Damascus, what his mission was going to be, that he was going to be called to deliver the message of, of Jesus to the Gentiles, which had to have been a crazy concept to him at the time, and that he was going to do that. He knew what he was being called to. He knew the next step to take. He stood up on the road, he couldn't see, and he went to Damascus. Later on, it was revealed to him while he was praying that Ananias was going to come to him and heal him. But it was a step-by-step revelation, and it was a step-by-step obedience. It was one step at a time for Saul. And think about it when you've had those big lightning bolt moments, when your whole world has been has come crashing down and it's got to be rebuilt in the name of Jesus, we can only go sometimes one step at a time, one moment at a time. God doesn't even address his blindness. Saul's just stepping out in faith. And I think during that time of prayer, I think he was repenting and I think he was trying to understand and let God reveal to him and just be in God's presence and understand where God was taking him and what exactly it meant for him to go and preach the gospel. Ananias knew the purpose behind his meeting, he, behind his visit. God revealed his plan to Saul to Ananias. Then he gave him the address. He gave him who to ask for, what Saul was going to be doing when he walked in, and what he was supposed to do. Ananias knew it step by step exactly what he was supposed to do. 
And I think that's how God continues to build our faith sometimes. That he tells us exactly what we're going to do. And then in those moments when we step into it and we see that everything that God said is true and he's faithful and he's righteous and he loves us and he's provided for us. And then we take the next step and we see it again. And each step just reinforces our faith and increases our faithfulness, increases our love and our, our joy of being in God's presence because we see the fulfillment of everything that he has promised in those moments. Saul saw the fulfillment in that trust. And Ananias saw it in the details. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first... We would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. They're both faithful. Saul, I think, had one of the first, as I call it, come to Jesus meetings. This was a big one. <laughs> um, like I said, in my mind, I picture a lightning bolt. I picture Saul, like his whole world has been shaken and ripped apart. But to Ananias, God spoke softly. He was in the right place at the right time. He was ready. And when God calls us deeper into faith, deeper into his presence and his story, he meets us where we are. They both responded in faith. Their faiths were at different points at that time, but God met both of them exactly where they were. But they both responded with that faithfulness. So we've seen how their stories have kind of developed in, um, in isolation of one another. And now we're going to talk about a little bit about how they come together, how they cross paths together. These are two complete strangers, two former enemies that were called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Ananias clarifies what it is that God's calling him to do, but he is faithful. And I think sometimes we do this too. There's a good chance that probably no one in this room is going to ever be called to go and meet with someone that there's a pretty good chance wants to kill you. That you're going to have that type of interaction with someone who is persecuting you. But I guarantee you that everyone in this room has been called to interact or will be called to interact with a person that one of the first questions that's going to pop into your mind is, will this make any difference at all? Is what I'm being called to do going to make any difference in this person's life? Because everything that he had seen and heard of Saul up to this point did not lead Ananias to believe that Saul was going to change. But he knew he was. He, he knew that the Holy Spirit was capable of that change. And so that's where we have to stop and look at that. When we're faithful, when we're called into those responses, sometimes dealing with people is inconvenient and it requires a commitment and sacrifice on our part. We may not be in danger, but we can question if it's going to do any good. But you know what? It's not us 
that's going to do any good in that situation. The good news is, it's the Holy Spirit. We just have to show up. The Holy Spirit is going to work through us and provide us with the steps and the words and the strength to do those things. Saul is blind. His personal authority has been stripped away. He is completely dependent. Everything his life has been based on up to this point has been taken away. And so he prayed. There's a time for action. Ananias was called into action. He had steps to take. Saul was called into prayer. And I think the beauty of being a part of not only this community of faith, but others as well, is that we have an amazing prayer team here at our church that is behind the scenes praying for us multiple times throughout the week, during services, during gatherings. There are people praying over and for you. So when you're called to take those steps, there's someone praying for you simultaneously. I think this is partly God saying both of these things have to happen. There has to be those steps, there has to be that action, but there has to be prayer as well. Ananias lays hands on Saul and calls him brother. He is confident in what God is calling him to. He's walked in, he's laid his hands on him, calls him brother. He has seen Jesus resurrected and knows who he is. He has complete faith in him. He has complete faith in that miracle. So if you believe in a God who can resurrect his son from the dead, then you can believe that a man like Saul can be changed. His faith helped him to hear and to obey. And we're called to seek out and restore individuals who are broken. That's part of our calling. But when we're called to do that, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then Saul is healed by Ananias with the Holy Spirit. He was specially chosen to spread the gospel, and he was going to need the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And God chose to do that through Ananias. And Ananias, he already knew the power of the Holy Spirit. So we just see that, that movement continuing. And then he stood up, he was healed, he was able to see. And the first thing he did was go and get baptized. This wasn't a baptism in that house with just a few people standing around. This would have been outside in the public. Everybody knew who Saul was. They knew he was in town. They probably didn't know what was going on, but I guarantee you there, there was talk and there was chatter. And now all of a sudden, he's with these people from the way and they're going down to the river and he's getting baptized and they're walking together. I imagine it made quite a stir. But baptism was his public proclamation. It's, what, it's the same thing. When we are baptized, we're making a public proclamation of who we're placing our faith in. But it's also the community, the church surrounding that person who's being baptized and saying, we are welcoming you into the family and welcoming you into our home. And we are going to stand beside you and we're going to love you and we're going to nurture you. And we're going to teach you who Jesus is. But Saul was part of the church now. He was part of the way and he was not acting alone. And then 
They ate together. It says he received food and is strengthened. And all throughout Acts, we see them talking about the early Christians gathering together to feed, to share food together, to share meals together. It's how they were strengthened as a community. It's how they were marked as a believer with other Christians. It's one of the things that marks us as believers. It's us coming together in community and being fed together and being strengthened together. God gives us the people to share these experiences and these callings with that are going to strengthen us and help us, help us achieve them. He wasn't just asking Saul to do that thing, to go and share the gospel. He was asking the church to go and share the gospel. Everyone had a role in it. Everyone had a part to play. So what does it mean for us? Like I said, it occurs three times in Acts. It must be important. The first time here in chapter 9, it occurs in the middle of three conversion stories. But later on, I encourage you to go and just read through Acts and, and read how that story is retold and how Saul, Paul, later on when he retells it, how he is using that. It's important, and it's important because it's a recognition of how God moves and how God calls. We are called to be prompt, to be exact, to be faithful, to go one day at a time, one moment of time, serving our Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of God's plan to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's what we have all been called to. And God calls in multiple ways. Sometimes our lives are turned upside down, and sometimes we just go and continue on with our normal everyday activities. Saul's whole world was turned upside down. He basically, we could call it, got a new career after this, right? <laughs> he changed job fields. <laughs> Ananias was already an established leader. There's not a lot of information about exactly what happened to him afterwards. We have to assume he just continued to be a faithful believer and follower of Christ and continued to work to help spread the gospel. For both of them, their faith was strengthened. Either way, we're called out of our comfort zones. Saul was definitely called out of his comfort zone. He had to leave everything behind, everything that he had based his life upon, and immediately become persecuted as well for his beliefs. Ananias had to, to walk into a room, go search out, find someone, and walk into a room, probably still kind of a little bit in the back of his head, still questioning, am, am I walking into a trap? But either way, he was still willing to do it. He was still willing to walk into that room. He was still willing to put his hands onto Saul. He was still obedient. No matter what, we're going to be called out of our comfort zone. And that can range from the inconvenient or to difficult, life-changing things that go entirely in a new direction and we leave our old life behind. But ultimately, this isn't the story of Saul and Ananias. It's not just an illustration or a way for us to, to look at two people who were called and served God faithfully in ways that we can model ourselves after that. Those are important things, and those are important parts of Scripture for us to look at. But what I think is the most important about this story 
is that this is the story of God interacting with us. Of him interjecting himself through the power of the Holy Spirit so that the message of Christ's death and resurrection can reach the world. God called these two people into that, but this is about how God is calling all of us into that same story. It's a message of hope for Saul, and it's a message of hope for Ananias. It's a message for hope for us and for others. And God is calling us to do this together. When they ate together, that's how they were strengthened. Everything that occurs in this story happens surrounded by believers. And it, every time God interacts, he's revealed through that. So this morning, as we're about to take communion together, eat together, part of the reason we do this, we come together as a community so that we can be strengthened, so that we can experience God's grace, God's love, God's hope, and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross so that we can walk away from here renewed in his hope and in his love. This morning I'm going to read a liturgy, and I want you to, I picked this one because it just has so many um, elements of it that go back to, the, to what we just read today and what I talked about. And so I want you to listen as I, as I read the liturgy this morning. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always, and the power of your word and Holy Spirit. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, <laughs> broke the bread, <laughs> dropped the bread maybe. <laughs> we'll get another loaf. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> Go ahead, clap. <laughs> Gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Don't spill that. Uh, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. 
By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. As we prepare to take the elements, let's uh, join me in the uh, Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The table was set. Come, eat, and be restored and be strengthened.